Welcome to episode 782 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 782 of I Am Talk with Coach John Houston, Bevan James. I was with the big yawn happening. So sneeze and a yawn, top Ste- start to the show. Why so sneezy and yawny? I don't know, a bit of chlorine hay fever from swimming this morning maybe. Have you been uh, staying up late watching the Olympics? What's no. the latest night you've done? Mm, maybe 10.30 I think was about as late as it got. I did at midnight. Did you? Watched mm. the athletics. Oh yeah. Yeah. Only on the first night, it was like a Friday night, so mm. and uh, it was good. Second week is good with athletics and track cycling. And they had the, the, the mixed relay, mm-hmm. the 400s. That was really interesting to watch. The running ones. Yeah. And they had mixed relay and the swimming as well. Maybe we'll talk about that when we get onto the relay side. Oh, okay. There we go. Interesting. I'm um, talking proudly brought to you by our fantastic patrons. You go first, John Tynan, the barbarian Narawatsuki. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's tough time. You know that. Uh, Marion, the creaming the moose hearing. <laughs> Holy crap, we've got two sort of Polish-type names here. James, Thunder Down Under, She's Gil. You did very well, John Newsom. Uh, this week we've got some news. We've got a Hot Topic of the Week. We've got Age Group of the Week. Uh, we've got an interview. We're talking to Craig Kirkwood, the coach of Hayden Wild, bronze medalist in the Men's Olympic Triathlon. Uh, all good stuff. And then we've got a week of the Week and questions and answers at the end. John, let's get straight into it. Uh, mixed relay on Saturday. Um... No real surprising result of the winner, at least. Um, but let's talk through the race. Yeah, top three, no real surprises. So it was kind of you had Great Britain, United States, and France, and it was all. It wasn't always going to be between those three, but they had the they had the highest ranked athletes. I would imagine if you tallied up all their either their world rankings or their placings in the the triathlon. Um, so no great surprise. But it was a good race. I quite enjoyed it. And, and uh, we went down to the, the pub and watched it. We just sort of the tri-club people, maybe it was 20 or 30 people there. Oh, great. And a few of the people hadn't seen a mixed, mixed relay before and said, hey, this is this is really cool. Yeah. And I think if we take our triathlon glasses off and actually look at it from an outsider's point of view, you'd go, yeah, that was actually quite a good watch. Um, it probably wasn't as dynamic as we see. The pumps were a bit too dominant, weren't they? Yeah, and in other races where you haven't got all the big guns racing and there's there's maybe a weaker link in your team, you see more changes. So, I mean, the racing for fourth through sort of eighth was quite interesting. That was changing, not that they were getting a huge amount of coverage. But yeah, the, the front front couple were dominant, but France did a fantastic comeback. So, so, if, so I, 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 admittedly, I don't know a lot about this, hmm. but the commentator was saying French was going and being very cocky. Yep, they they are the French were very good, and I probably had a little bit of more money. They won the test event on them, okay. uh, so I had a, you know, and and they were bringing Vincent Louis, who quite often doesn't do this format, so they got off to a bit of a rough start. Um, and yeah, their their female athletes are just not not quite good enough. Okay. Um, and the Great Britain and the United States females were really really good, so no great surprise. I think the performance of the day for me was Johnny Brownlee in the first leg for the, the, the Team GB's men's, he just laid the smack down there and that really set them up for the rest of the race. Now, Alex Yee still got caught on the bike. and But he kind of, he waited, eh? 
I don't think he was waiting. But well, my, no, but he. Well, yeah, he, he, he wasn't going to run. He wasn't going to. It was pretty unlikely he was going to get dropped. Yeah. So, but Johnny Brownlee really set up that nice buffer so that took the pressure off League Three, which was Georgia Taylor Brown, and then she gave Alex Yee, um, yeah, the you know he had a lead, but he's always got that backstop. Oh, if I do get caught, I can probably outrun this. But Vincent Louis. On his day, you know, he won, he's won super leagues all over the show, but... It well, you're surprised he didn't try to break away? You're like, I'm not talking a lot of effort to get to Alex. Well, he did try, he tried to be put in that one big attack. Okay. Um, one-on-one, it's, you, you need to have a pretty big differential to, to break one person over a short distance like that. Yeah. If that had been a 40k ride, yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. Um, but Alex, she's not a mug on the bike, uh, so... Didn't really expect him, but that attack that he did do, where he went swerving across the road, was pretty awesome. So if you, if you didn't follow the race, France were out of it um, quite quite badly, and they managed to slowly bridge their way back up. And Vincent Louis then caught up to Alex Yee and tried to put the attack on him on the bike, and they did sort of slightly distance the United States athlete, who I thought you know he he might run up to second, and he did. So yeah, it was it was good racing, a few bit of lead changes there, but the favourites, you know, when they got what did they get? They got second in the females and maybe about ninth for Jess Learmonth and I think she was a little bit off and then they had Johnny Brownlee's and Alex Yee's second and fifth. I mean that's a pretty hard team to beat yeah. and the United States were, were all pretty good as well. It's, um, nice, it's also nice because Brownlee gets a gold. Yeah. Because yeah. this will be his last Olympics. It's nice that he walks, I oh know it's not the same as the individual race but you still get a gold, you know, walks away as an Olympic gold medalist. And as I said, I thought his was the performance of the day because he, he just laid it down on that run and looked fantastic. He did, didn't he? Yeah. That's mm. a hard run. 2K. Mm. Mm. Oh! And he's an, an older athlete, you know. So I thought he uh, it was fantastic enough. Let's talk about his career because he said he is going to go long. Mm. In many ways, I think he's going to have a more successful long career than Ellie. Who knows? Um, well, he's not broken. Uh, you know, he is a bit broken. But yeah. not like Ellie. Yeah, no, he doesn't. He hasn't had, I don't think he's had the sort of same surgeries, but he has been broken a, a reasonable bit over the last few years. Oh, so, um, What's, yeah. what, what do you reckon he'll be like long? Uh, I just don't know those Brownleys. I just, I don't know. Alistair Brownlee's been good, but not off the charts, but that's probably a little bit harsh. He's still won races, but he's only done a couple. And, and that World Champs where it was him, um, Gomez and Fredino. Yeah, that was awesome. Now, that was awesome. Now, Fredino won, but Fredino was a beast that day and he ruined mm. himself for the, next, for the Kona. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. They just seem like they're a bit fragile these days to do really, really lo- well at long. So they may well prove me wrong and wouldn't be at all surprised, but they just, they've just they been at high level for a long, long time and they just seem a bit fragile to, to be awesome at going long. I hope he does. I, I actually really hope he does really well. So do I. Yeah. yeah, it comes out of the shadow a little bit, but amazing career, but it's like the old, you know, when you're up against Lance Armstrong or Tiger Woods or somebody like that, he was just, you know, best of the rest, unfortunately. And that's why I like, that's why I love that he got the gold mm. in the teams because mm. unfortunately this Olympics he was just a little bit old for the for the um, Olympic distance, although mm. he got fourth, didn't he? Fifth, fifth, fifth. I think. Yeah. So he, and he had a great race. Yeah. But he was just, you know, off the mark a little bit. Uh, so it's quite nice that a guy who's a real legend of the sport, it's his third Olympic medal. Mm. Is it a silver, a bronze and a gold? Yep, he's got the set. He's got the set. So I was really happy to see he walked away, a real legend of the sport, with, with his own gold medal. So, so results were Great Britain, United States, France, Netherlands, Belgium, uh, Germany, Switzerland, Italy. You've got to keep going. <laughs> Australia, Spain, Hungary and New Zealand in 12th place. Who, who was disappointing? Or is it pretty much uh, what you expect? We were a bit disappointing. Australia a bit disappointing as well. They've had a woeful Olympics for triathlon, doing great in the pool. Um, but no, it was kind of expected. You know, top three you thought were were, were locked and loaded. Why and were then, we disappointing? 
Sorry? Why were we disappointed? Like if oh, you'd we hoped us ne- it well. We were never in the game um, and our females are just a little bit weak and we kind of missed that second pack on the first leg and that just put us on the back foot so you're constantly just going backwards and okay. then you've got um, sort of no chance. You know, even if you've got Hayden Wild, he, he did a pretty solid last leg. He did 20-35. He was only seven seconds slower than um, Alex Yee and yeah, so he, he was as competitive as anything with um, those top top dudes but when you're that far back and you're by yourself yep. and they were getting lapped uh it wasn't wasn't pretty so yeah we were probably disappointing um you know the, the highest we probably could have got would be fourth uh, there's no way we would have got a medal but hey so, still got one medal so what's been interesting in, in the olympics has been there's been some really cool stories around athletes have taken a long time to get there there's the the filipino athlete who won the medal gold medal first ever filipino gold medal uh mm. it's the fourth olympics first time Got last, second time DNF. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, third time got a silver and this time won the gold. In yeah. rowing in New Zealand, a lady called Emma Twig, um, she is a fourth Olympics. She retired, came back from retirement. She'd got first Olympics, didn't do that well. Had two fourths mm. in the Olympics, came back and won the gold. But you did a little piece here on Fora Duffy just kind of showing what it takes well, I can't claim level. this. I just saw um, Tess Matten, who's part of our Triathlon Academy in Christchurch. Um, she's an American age grouper, sort of out in New Zealand, and she just posted this, and I thought it was a great progression because I know I know that um, Flora Duffy has been around for a long time, and she has just slowly progressed up. But this has actually put it into into really good perspective that that success doesn't uh, necessarily come quickly and in, in, or in a linear fashion. So 2006, she finished second to Canada's Kirsten. Sweetland at the 2006 World Junior Champs. Kirsten Sweetland did go off to have a couple of years really, really good at um, sort of the top elite level, but um, not, not didn't last very long. 2008, uh, Flora Duffy qualifies for the Beijing Olympics, but DNFs, struggles with an eating disorder, red S, and de- uh, decides to quit the sport. 2009, goes back to school uh, in Colorado and Boulder and parties, has fun, and joins up to the cycling team. 2010 makes a comeback to triathlon, finishes 20th at high V race, which is was used to be that really big money yeah. race. 20th is quite a long way down the field. 2012 finishes 45th at the London Olympics. 2014 wins the Xterra World Champs in Maui, and she's gone on to win that a couple of times. Uh, 2015 first podium on the World Tri Series. Uh, 2016 becomes the world champion and eighth at the Rio Olympics. Uh, 2017 wins pretty much everything, and she was just so dominant then. 2018 she won the Commonwealth Games um, and then got an injury and was out for the rest of the season. 2019, I only did three events. This is pre-COVID. She was uh, injured all over the place. She did technically win the Tokyo Test event, but that was only because first and second got disqualified. Oh, that's uh, right. But still yeah. third. It was a solid comeback race, and she hadn't raced for a long time. And then 2021 uh, as the Olympic champion. So, you know, a long road for her to get to where she was. And, um, yeah, she beast-moded it. And, and that's what's great with these stories, isn't it? You know, like, mm. it's, 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 I was talking to someone the other day. Getting to the Olympics mm. is so hard, mm. you know, and then to win a medal and then to win a gold medal, they like, you're just, it's like, it's so easy to sit on the sidelines eh, and be all judgy and, you know, and make all these comments. It's such a massive achievement. And that, uh, it is, and then the, the problem is, so many people come away from the Olympics disappointed because they have shit races, yeah. you know, and that, in that triathlon field, you'd say probably 50% of them weren't happy with their performances. Yeah. That's just a, a Well, a and, and go back to our Legends of Triathlon podcasts, the amount of guys and girls who 
didn't either get to the Olympics or didn't perform at the Olympics, mm. you know, and these are people who could have won gold, mm. you know, ultimately disappointed with that moment in their life. Yeah, so we've still got nearly another week of it to go. Uh, Alpe d'Huez. Alpe triathlon was on, on last weekend. Uh, Emma Bilam took that out. Uh, she swam 32 minutes, rode 4.18. And so in this, you don't just go up at Alpe d'Huez. You finish by climbing up Alpe d'Huez on the bike, but you've got several passes to go over in between times. So it's a tough old day. What's, what's the distance? Is it half? Uh, it About. is approximately half. I can't remember off the top of my head. The run's... Run is not a, not a half marathon, but she ran 125. So the run you're doing at altitude, at Alpe d'Huez, it's a bit rolly, kind of, um, yeah, rolling circuits and definitely some climbing in there. She won by 14 minutes over Marta Sanchez and Alexandra Tondeur. And then on the, the boys' side of things, it was a French domination. Clement Mignon took it out uh, by four minutes uh, in five hours 39 in front of Leon Chevalier and Nathan Grubier. So, not too many of your sort of traditional big names there because you'd often get one or two in the past, wouldn't you? You'd often get some of sort of Sato's squad and things like that yeah. going over there. You know, um, Daniela Reef and people like that sometimes used to do it. So, great race, though. Looking forward to getting there one day. I was hoping to be there last year, I was hoping to be there this year. I was hoping to be there next year. Probably won't happen. It might be next year. <laughs> the year yeah. after that. Yeah, sorry, you reckon you get there next year? Uh, no. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Okay, other news. Collins Cup is starting to ramp up. Uh, We did get the the press release saying it's going to be live on Sky TV in New Zealand. So they're getting it out there, aren't they? And they yeah, they just we just get all these bloody emails on on what they're doing, and yeah, Sky New Zealand, and they're just signing up all these different networks, so it should have fantastic coverage. Bad thing for us, it is going to be the middle of the night, so it's going to be a, a get up the next morning sort of thing. Uh, and they've also set up a partnership with Zwift, uh, so you can go in there and do some group rides. I'm contemplating doing a little group ride on there this afternoon. Uh, what does that mean? It's just again, I'm very unzwifty. Uh, it's just. It's like it sounds. It's a group ride, and I'm picking when you go on there. You'll have your different coloured. Um, if you're an international, oh, okay. um, Americas or uh, Europe, you probably get a different coloured kit. And it's just about getting people to to join together. And I imagine as we sort of go forward, then there might be some hosted rides. So like I might be doing a interval session with Jan Fredino and stuff okay. like that. And when you do interval sessions, it's all based on your percentages. So it might be. 10 times 2 minutes at 100% FTP yep. and Jan Frenino might be doing it and you can do it but and you're base, basically doing the same workout you don't have to try to keep up with him because that wouldn't wouldn't last long I very much if you did you, you know quit your job you know if you could keep up with Jan you're doing mm. alright okay coming up this weekend there's not a mini Ironmans this weekend but we are heading to a big few weeks of Europe and probably the big piece of news is Blumenfeld has signed up for Germany he has and I saw that because he said he, he wants to go to Kona he does and he wants to win Kona so uh, we'll, we'll read, read through some of our Facebook posts in a moment. But yeah, so we haven't got anything this weekend. Uh, but then the weekend after and, uh, and the few weeks that follow, it's sort of boom, boom, boom. So we've got Finland and Germany on the 14th and 15th of August. And then you've got Copenhagen on the 22nd, which is where I believe Lionel Sanders is racing. Hamburg on the 29th. And then uh, and then we've got Roth on September 5th. But that's obviously not a, not a Kona qualifier. So yeah, so Christian Blumenfeld has... And I, I knew, I, I didn't know about this ages ago, but it, now it becomes a, a much bigger deal yeah. is going to go and race in Germany. Now, the list, the list in Germany, every Tom, Dick and Harry is on that list, like Lionel Sanders is on there, but he's doing Copenhagen. Uh, and there's a lot of athletes' names on there that have either qualified or they're, they're entered three different races on one weekend. So when you look at the list of who he's got to try to 
beat to get a slot. You got Patrick Nilsson on there, but he's got an asterisk, which means he must qualified. be racing somewhere else. Oh, does that mean he's qualified? No, uh, KQ means you're qualified. Oh, okay. you, you got Andy Boucherer and Rasmus Venningson, who are both qualified for Kona. Franz Loschke, he's not too bad. Ivan Tuchnin, um, Tobias, yeah. So when you look down the list, you're going, there's some good athletes there, but how many of these people are actually going to turn up? So, yeah, so Christian Blumenfeld is going to try to qualify. He does want to try to win it. He's, he's a real got, deal. He's got a mental schedule. So he's going, He's when I heard this interview he did on triathlon, a world triathlon podcast, he was at the airport flying back. You'd think he's going to have a lot of media commitments the next um, yeah, next sort of 10 days because yeah. Norway have only got a couple of medals. So he is going to be a rock star. And then he's got to turn around and do this race in a couple of weeks' time. Um how many slots do they have? They have... Three pro slots. Three pro slots. So it'll be two for the men, one for the female, you think? Uh, I think this or is, is a, three it's only a, it's a male-only pro race. Oh, okay. So we three slots. Germany only is a male-only. Well, it's all different this year. Yeah, so, yeah fair enough. Because uh, it's much later. It's August 15th. Normally it's about June. Yeah, more the start, of, start of July. Yeah. So, yeah, I've got no doubt... He's got the goods. It's just okay. So let's let's do that talk. And, and hold on. And and Casper Stornis is in there as well. So that's his one of his Norwegian training buddies, uh, who also raced at the Olympics, and he actually finished second in the Olympic trials. And I think he still had a reasonable race. So when we when we I put I, when I saw this, I thought I'll put it up on the old Facebook page. And our audience have got no faith. And I said Frodo versus um, Blumenfeld and Kona. Who's your pick? So well, most people are going to pick Frodo, aren't they? Pretty much everybody. There was one person. Where are they? Who said that they would uh, go with? Uh, who was it? Do, do, do. Jane Jane uh, Aronsonson. So he said Bloomy. Everybody else says <laughs> nobody. Tommy Moore said Frodo versus Brownlee versus Blumenfeld. Um, maybe Gomez in the mix. Brownlee's not doing Kona. No, I wouldn't have thought because so. he didn't have an operation. He's, he a, yeah, he's yeah. had an operation, but. Uh, who else? Michael Boyle says Frodo. He's proven in a battle. Looks ultra fit at the moment. His race to lose. Um, Scott Watkins. When Frodo did his first cone, he finished third. Fastest swim and run splits in the top ten, and wasn't. Uh, but wasn't. And he wasn't as good as Blumenfeld is when he left ITU. Blumenfeld has a heavier frame, but looks like he's really trimmed down for the Olympics. Um, so yeah, but pretty much everybody's saying Frodo. You got to go with the experience. Is Daniel Hopper. Um, uh, Dan Dickinson Dan Dickinson said, have they both gone too hard, too close to Kona? Not that far out from Kona yet, but you know, Jan Fredino did look like he went pretty pretty deep. Um, Gary Miller says Skipper will be uh, skipping past both of them. Uh, George Samuel, uh, Jan without a doubt. Blumenfeld did Daytona and came nowhere. Jan is the GOAT, no contest. Uh, last one I'll do, Cam Hansen says, I'm not sure how will Blumenfeld's body shape will cope with the heat in Kona and converting the carb fueling needed to run a sub-30 off the bike to a more aerobic fat burner required for the, uh, for Kona takes time. So uh, last one, Pit, Pit, oh no, I just did say last one, Pedro Acher says, Langer, even though John doesn't really rate him. <laughs> <laughs> Question I have, is Blumenfeld finished with short course? He didn't really stay there. I don't think so. I think he just wants to do it Because he's only 27. All, which is crazy. I think he wants to do it all. And I think he thinks he can do it all. How cool and that's, it, like, what, that's what you need. Because he has shown he's awesome over 70.3. He's won 70.3 worlds? No, he hasn't. No, oh, that's his, his teammate. But he's gone 
I th- I'm not sure if it's the fastest 70.3 ever, but it's like he did some crazy fast time in Abu Dhabi or Dubai or somewhere like that. So he, he has done it over the half Ironman. Totally different sort of race to Ironman. Yep. Absolutely get that. However, the way I look at it is going into Kona, if Jan Fredino's fit, nobody else is going to beat him of the current long-distance athletes. If everybody races their potential... Jan is going to win that race hands down. He's shown that before and he'll just do it again. You throw Fro- um, Blumenfeld into there, I look at him in a different way going, highly, highly unlikely he's going to beat him. But if there was someone who could beat him, that could be that someone. Whereas the rest of the crop, I think even if they race their best, they, they can't beat him. So don't think he will, but it's going to be interesting to watch. What's not in Blumenfeld's favour is he's doing Germany this or Germany in two weeks' time. Yep. And he's getting on a plane straight away, and he's going to um, wherever the final is—is is it Edmonton or Montreal? So the World oh, it's okay. So, never, uh. so and that's the next weekend. So he's doing Ironman one weekend. But next, surely he's writing ne- that one off. Next weekend he's doing this. Well, he's trying to win the World Series because he's he's currently I think in second. Uh. Uh, so he's going to do that, and then you wonder if he wants to do the Collins Cup as well. Do you think he's being a fool? Um, the start earlier this year he did like seven races in a row or something. So crazy he's one like of those athletes. Uh, but he was. Fading a bit towards the end. Yeah, but if you do Ironman, then ITU the next weekend. You're thinking that's not going to happen. <laughs> who knows? But And especially... And hey, who am I to say this guy's a fool? He just won the Olympic gold medal. But it's just... I think that's not in his favour in terms of doing really well in Kona. So if you said, right, he's going to go to Germany, get a yep. slot there. Take some time off. And then go and do Kona, yep. you'd go, hey, that's a bit better. Um, but doing that extra race to travel back and forth. Yeah. So I, I would, if I had to put my money, you'd definitely go Frodo. That's a safe bet. But I wouldn't be surprised if Blumenfeld is the, the, the one that could actually go how there. How many elite guys, and you probably won't have the answer to this, but how many elite guys or girls went from ITU and nailed their first Kona? Well, there's only one person that's won Kona on debut from memory, and that's Luke Van Laird. Everybody else has gone through the process of, of that learning, doing one, and I'm pretty sure it still stands that everybody who's won Kona has always been on the podium previously. Yeah, so, yeah I'm pretty what, sure yeah, it still something stands. like that. Yeah. Because who's won it the last few years? Well, Frodo. Langer, Frodo. Langer. And all those Germans. And Langer, that, Langer got second, didn't he? So he got second or third. And yeah. I'm pretty sure all the Germans that have won, they were on the podium Is it the same for the females? Uh, no. I don't think so. No, because okay. Chrissy came in and won first time. Yeah, that's true. And But I think it would be fairly consistent. Yeah. Um, You've got to learn the race, don't you? Mm. And so he needs to learn the race. But it'll be interesting. Where, does he have a weakness? No, he's, he's good all around. Is he? But the weakness is... Not knowing <laughs> what happens beyond four hours, it makes it what's cool because you know, Frodo's a legend. If, if you had to put your life on it, you're always going to bet on Frodo, but, oh, yeah. but it makes a really interesting dynamic to the race. And the one other thing is here, um, Peter Colson put a comment on here saying he, and this is pure speculation, and this is how stupid rumors start. I shouldn't even be saying this. Go on, spread the rumor. He, he said, I've heard a rumor that Jan is a did not start for Kona, but if he starts, he wins always. But that's the thing. All that needs to happen is Frodo Gets to injured. be injured yep. or not turn up or whatever, and it's happened before, and then the race is wide open. What's the, I can't remember, the distance is for Collins Cup? Uh, it is, it's like a half iron man. Okay, um, so it's not too taxing. No. Okay. I just love this moment in triathlon. Like, what a cool peak moment we're in. We've got the Olympics last couple of weeks. Mm. We've got Collins Cup coming up. World 70.3s after Kona, aren't they? Uh, no, that's in September. 
that's, yeah, that's, that's so then with that, then with Kona, so that's three or four months. What an mm. awesome period for the racing. Mm. Good stuff. And we've got the World Cup final. World Triathlon. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, World, uh, World Series. Who's going to win that? Well, I'm not putting my money on Blumenfeld for that one. <laughs> He's done <laughs> Iron Man. Uh, so you would think Alex Yee or Hayden Wilde. If, um, Who's the overall points winner at the moment? Alex Yee. Is he? Because Hayden, Hayden Wilde didn't get to go to Yokohama. So. Oh. But he wouldn't be anyway. Cause, but yeah. That's what a cool rivalry it's going to be over the next few years. Mm. You know? Both pretty similar. Yeah. You know, man or man on the running. Okay. Uh, still plenty of age groups races happening. There is a lot of uh, iron distance races happening. Um, and if I get my A into G, uh, it's coming up this weekend. Uh, you've got 70.3 in Boulder. You've got Ironman Tallinn, which is in Estonia. Uh, you've got a half Ironman in Poland. You've got a half Ironman in Switzerland. And a half Ironman also in Poland. Oh, you've got an Ironman. I think that's going to be the first Ironman in Poland ever. I don't think that's happened before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good luck to all my Polish friends if you're out there racing. Good stuff. Okay, guys. Uh, and, oh, there's just a few other races on as well. Norseman's on this weekend. Um, that might be a slightly different race this year because no, um, well, I don't know how many internationals can travel for that. You've got the Thor Beach Triathlon in Denmark and the Slovak Man in Slovakia. This is, I tell you what, would be a t- some tough pub quiz questions. Trying to differentiate the difference between the Slovakian, Slovenian, and Serbian flags. They're just about exactly oh, really? the same. They're basically, yeah, it's weird. TC Huta Beba. I once kind of went out for girl from Slovakia, I think. Yeah. Was, You're a hot babe. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, and went out was right. <laughs> a very short relationship. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, what was your Olympic triathlon highlight? Was the discussion of the week? Lots of comments on this one. I'll go from the top, John. You, you, Melissa, Yuri's got. Uh, the excitement of the top three once they had crossed the finish line and how excited they were for each other, especially Duffy and Zaveris. Yeah, that was, we didn't talk about that. Yeah. It was really cool how happy Duffy was because mm-hmm. Zaveris, well, she was injured or something, wasn't she? Oh, she's just had no, a No, she rough, lost a parent, didn't she? Yeah, yeah she's that's had right. a rough 12 months. Or yeah, rough, rough so it, was, months. it was pretty cool how much she, you know, these these guys are competitors, but they're also mates, mm. you know, so it was pretty cool. Neil Hastings, uh, even without the, bra- the Brownies winning a medal, Yee and Team GB getting a silver British triathlon still number one, and they showed that. This, this was probably posted before the um, relay. Uh, Ian Farrell's got Bloomingfield dropping the hammer in the last kilometre and no one able to respond. Uh, when he saw 10, 20 metres, then he looked like he surged again just to inflict more pain on both himself and others. What a legend. All this a surprise and realisation just before the finish line. Fantastic. Also, great woman's win for Fluffy. Uh, Fluffy. Fluffy Duffy. <laughs> that's right. That's going to stick. But Fluffy he's, Duffy. He's, he's written here Fluffy. Is he? Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, so my bad. It's his. Um, and Zvera's a big surprise. A great form. Uh, Tony Hodge, the men's false start. That was a highlight. But it, as you heard there, or no, as you're going to hear later in the show from Craig Kirkwood, it felt like it took a pressure, the pressure off a little bit um, for the athletes. And, yeah. uh, and I've heard that from a few others that it was crap. But I bet they all felt a bit calmer afterwards. G, uh, Carl Bolton's got uh, GTB hanging on for it. What was it name? Georgia Taylor Brown. Uh, hanging on for with a flat tyre to run back to silver, a lesson in never giving up, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Main, Blumenfeld Spew has to be right up there. Yeah, he was he was death, wasn't he? Uh, ben Alchin, Alchin? Uh, I bet the Australians wished the Olympics were 12 months earlier. They were off, well off the mark. Should have just sent some kids for the experience. Disappointed. He's not happy. He's obviously Australian. Not happy. Uh, having to explain to my wife why uh, this is from uh, Brian Diva. Having to explain 
to my wife why Blumensfeld's suit was so transparent. Oh, yeah. Luckily, black undies on. Yeah. Yeah. Just, um, Michael Sprague's got the terrible bike handling skills. How can you be a pro and not have bothered to learn how to control your bike? Pick your lines, learn your brake points, shakes heads in disbelief. Mm, give him a break. I mean, I don't know. I just, give him a break. Their power output is pretty awesome, but I agree that sometimes bike handling is a little bit it's dodgy. Sometimes you just get in positions that you can't I'm not about. criticizing any of those females, though, because oh, in the wet. I would have just been trying to keep my bike vertical on that day and not leaning into the corners at all. Simon Lund says uh, a toss-up between the boat and the spew. Yeah, got a few boats, got a few um, G- Georgia Taylor-Brown. Uh, Michael Dinchman has got the drafting being illegal. It just seems like a 10K race. Can't do much about that. You can't, and that and, and had you had a different field there with some strong swim bikers, that would have been a totally different story, as we saw with the, the females race. And, and as we, we talked to Craig Kirkwood soon, but he talks about if Brownlee was on the front of that first pack, but mm. if we go four years ago, mm. you know, it would have been a different race. Uh, last one I'll do, Toby Schnell, uh, the realisation on Blumensfeld's face that the long game and the often cited scientific approach of the Norwegians paid off, and he absolutely nailed every objective on the race day. It counted. Okay, well, first of all, uh, good old Christy McKinley's got not highlight, but missing out on the men's race because she had to do an effing root canal. She was requesting updates on Facebook as we were going through. I was like, schedule that one very well, did you? That was a cock up, wasn't it? Uh, Lastly, I'll go Shane Crubb. He's got Taylor Reid saying he, he. just did the bomb off the platoon after the false start. Right. <laughs> it's a good one. Screw this, I'm going to do a bomb just to get fun. i tell you one thing that was a highlight for me, watching them dive in the relay. Yeah, the dives are exceptional. The dives are beautiful. Great advertisement for our sport. Can you imagine sprinting, diving, and then trying to blast a swim? You'd be... <laughs> yeah. And the problem was, was that little dip yeah, I know the that ramp was stupid where planning. they were all... Why wouldn't they just have a, like a downward ramp? Don't know. That seemed odd. Yeah, so a few of them did come a cropper there, didn't they? That was, but yeah, just some of the dives were spectacular. They should be in the diving event. They should, yeah. Yeah. Double gold. Yeah. I could have done one. I was watching a diver yesterday, completely bottled it. I think he was doing quite well. He was from, I think he was from South Korea. And it was on the the three meter board, uh, the bouncy one. (laughs) Yeah. and he ran up and he, he bottled it. And so he went back and did it again. He didn't actually jump. He sort of ran up. And then he did it again and he completely cocked it up, almost slipped off the end of the board and just oh, completely flopped. Oh, thought, oh, well, no. Did you watch the trampolining? A Kiwi guy won a medal in the trampolining. Did you watch that? Yes. The amount of guys who go off the bloody trampoline. It's scary how high they go. Oh, yeah. And then Joe was watching, I didn't see it, the uneven bars and gymnastics you see, and she said everyone was falling off. <laughs> like, seriously, so, like three people finish, I think, and they got the medals, basically. Oh, yeah, so good times. And my triathlon highlights were probably the, the females um, sort of overcoming adversity to get medals. And, you know, so Flora Duffy's been one of the most dominant athletes, but on and off and constantly getting injured and on that sort of tightrope. Yep. Uh, and to see her progression over so many years, I, th- I was stoked for that. And Katie Zaveris, who's had a really rough 18 months. But prior to that, she was just the, the weapon. Uh, so that was cool. And basically, yes, yeah, so basically the females podium was, was my highlight. Oh, mine's got to be Hayden Wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Of course, for, from a Kiwi perspective, yeah. that's Hayden awesome. Wild, it was so cool. I expect, to be honest, it's really tough, but I expected him to get a medal. Did so, you? Yeah. I, Just I, when I, it came down to running race, I'm like, he's got to be getting some kind of medal here. My thing was Bloomingfield. 
Mm-hmm. That was actually my highlight. Just the mm-hmm. guts of the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, no, you, you kind of undermine him. I don't <laughs> undermine him. I'd just love to know, get a, a biopsy and, and or, I don't know, muscle biopsy or some sort of analysis when they're at that point. Hayden Wild versus Christian Blumenfeld. What's happened? Who who is actually operating at a higher percentage level? And I would agree, it's probably Blumenfeld. Yeah. Um, oh. But just yeah, just, I, just the guts of the guy. Like you know, like I, I really want Hayden to get the gold. Hmm. And you know, I, I didn't know if, if he had a good sprint or not. Does he have hmm. a good sprint? Uh, you'd think it, him against Blumenfeld. I'd put my money on Hayden Wild. Yeah. What about him, him against, against Alex G? Would have been close. Don't know. Yeah. So I was thinking, if it goes to a sprint, because I was just thinking, hopefully it stays close. It's like, and then Bloomingfield goes, and I go, what's this guy doing? And then he just held off, and I was like, impressive stuff. Um, okay, John, let's go this week's discussion. So we got an email through from someone, and you may decide to mention this or not, but they sent us through an email. Someone I know recently completed an iron distance race and was gloating about their result all over social media, especially this one time. Turns out, they only swim half the course, uh, but went on to complete the full distance rock bike and run. Now, this person always puts all their data in all the usual media channels, such as Strava, but we're very quick to delete this particular swim file. What frustrates me is the continual, uh, continuation of the gloating of their time, even though they know full well they didn't complete the full race. I find it so disrespectful to athletes who complete full races and organisers of the event and the sport itself. So this led to the question. It did. So if you knew someone had cheated at an event, would you mention it to them, inform the organisers or let it go? We're not talking about drafting uh, or anything like that because you, yeah, that happens, happens pretty regularly. It's more around if you're course cutting, intentional or unintentional, illegal equipment or other forms of cheating. Okay, so that's this week's discussion. Jombo, let's go. Each group of the week. week. Okay, good old Patrick Walkington uh, sent through and his nickname is Nominator Dominator. Or well, the divide one. one. You'll hear more about that later. Yeah, because it was. We, yeah, we need to sort that I, out. I work, go away for one week, and it just falls to pieces. There we go. You guys have mentioned uh, my athletes a few times on Age Group of the Week, but I've got a couple more for you in the UK. Ironman UK just a few weeks ago. Sam Cusworth completed the Ironman UK in a style last weekend, coming second in his age group of eighteen to twenty-four in eleven hours and thirty-eight minutes, and is awaiting confirmation of a Kona slot as there are only a hundred slots up for grabs. We, we, this was this email was sent a few weeks ago, so I'm sure it's all sorted now. What makes this special and going completely against John Newsom's three-year plan? This was Sam's first Ironman and second triathlon ever, having completed a sprint triathlete uh, triathlon only a couple months ago. Sam is such a nice and humble guy. He's even stopped to help someone fix a puncture, which probably cost him first place in his age group. Well, that is pretty cool. Uh, but he still finished 40 minutes ahead of third place. Not only that, Sam was uh, on the entry level. Uh, aluminium bike with no tri bars that is hardcore giving up a bit of time there Sam yeah Sam <laughs> stop being so nice you know <laughs> or yeah. he's just rubbing in people's faces going hey I don't need that fancy bike I'm yeah. just going to go out here do my second triathlon ever and just qualify Liz Dawson is another one he sent through Liz Dawson has also completed Ironman UK finishing second in her age group of 55 to 59 and also waiting to see if she gets to roll down for Kona this is also Liz, Liz's first ever Ironman and she nailed it and after nearly 35 minutes ahead of the third place, another one sticking to finger up to John's three-year plan. Hey, <laughs> Sorry, John. Calm down. Sorry, John. So Liz and, Liz and Sam seem like they dominated, wouldn't dominate, but they got second places. 
Fingers, I'm pretty sure they've got the slots. Yes, they did. And they, he had a small rant to go on as well. Okay, um, here's my Ironman rant. Sam and Liz were both told that if they take their kind of slots, they have to pay the immediately 1200 bucks, which is normal. Um, yep. I get that, but it's Kona this year in 2020, and they were told that they have no option to defer. The oh, thing really? is, we don't think Hawaii is currently accepting travellers from the UK, so that seems a bit unfair. Um, just a quick addition to this, Sam has taken his Kona slot, uh, so he sent another email, and not only that, six days after finishing Ironman UK, he finished first ultra marathon completing the 55 course in the Lake Districts in the UK with 7,000 feet of climbing in just under seven hours, finishing in 16th place out of 310 finishes. I've told him to take a few weeks off. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so he had a bit of a rant about, yeah, if you qualify this season, you basically, from, from the, there was a cutoff date, and from that point on, it's like, You've won a slot for Kona this year, whether you take it or not, whether you can get there or not, it's your choice. So, but then as long not as the rules were put it. out, sorry, well, not being able to defer it's the problem. Yeah, I know, but they, I'm pretty sure they did commu- communicate. Well, I've, I've seen the email if they communicated to me, and I'm not even racing. It, w- it did clearly state after this date, if you qualify, you go for this year, and there's no deferrals. If it had been prior to that, then yeah, it's, but it's, it's a, a lot of money story. to take a gamble on. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I get it. I mean, it's tough for them. They're in a hard spot. But at the year. same time... Otherwise, you have 5,000 people wanting to race next have year. Have you qualified this year? Would you go? No. No. Well, we, I'm not sitting in, in isolation for isolation two weeks. You probably could get, get one anyway. But the question would be is if you're in the UK where it's a, I'd say it's 50-50 by whether or not they can travel or not, um, then would you take the slot? I don't know. It would depend if you really think this is a once-in-a-lifetime I'm never going to qualify again. Sam's young. Sam's young. Yeah. Maybe we'll get another opportunity. So awesome work to you guys. Yeah. Sam, second, first Ironman, second ever race. That's bloody impressive. And doing it without aero bars or anything like that. Uh, and Liz, if you do go to Kona, fingers crossed for you. So Sam and Liz, you are our age groupers of the week. week. Okay, job, good interview. We have. Here comes Craig Kirkwood. Oh, there we go. Righto, team. Uh, in case you've been hiding under a rock, the Olympics have been on oh. the last uh, sort of seven or eight days, and one of the first events was a triathlon. And you guys know that we're Kiwis, and we were jumping up and down for Hayden Wild to do well in the men's triathlon, and he did do well, getting a bronze medal. And we've got his coach Craig Kirkwood on today, who's also been to Hawaii for Ironman, but uh, also a top runner in his day, uh, competing at an international level. So welcome along and back to the show. I think maybe for almost the third time, Craig Kirkwood. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. And these uh, Olympics are destroying my sleep, so I'm uh, struggling a bit with fatigue. I was going to say, I don't know why. I mean, you're, you'll be in a different boat because you've got athletes competing. But for Kiwis, it seems like I'm much more invested in this Olympics than previous Olympics. I think it might be the time zone. I'm not quite sure, though. Yeah, I think so, too. The time zone's awesome for us. Like, just, uh, you know, the stuff's happening kind of mid-morning through to afternoon and then again in the evening. And um, oh, it's, just, it's just great. Non-stop uh, Olympics to watch. And we're doing okay, which helps. You know, like, you know, we're having a pretty good Olympics, too. I did the old... Yeah, uh, did the old per capita per capita thing oh, this morning you? for the kids? We're we're third on per capita. San Marino is in front of us, and Bermuda, bloody <laughs> bloody Flora Duffy, she's she screwed over everybody on the per capita ones. So um, awesome! So it's obviously been a pretty exciting time for for you. Um, I know you've been to Com Games. I can't remember off the top of my head if you've been to the Olympics or not. But maybe explain to us. Um, 
what the experience has been like for the athletes this time around in terms of the Olympic Village? Because normally it sounds awesome and you're going around and you're rubbing shoulders with the, the NBA superstars and, and so on. So what's it like being for, for Hayden and the team compared to what um, you kind of know as the norm? Yeah, so I, you know, I never went to the Olympics, um, but I did go to the comms. So, um, and I think the, the big difference for this one is that athletes aren't arriving until the last minute. And then, sorry about my computer beeping there. Um, and they, um, and they're departing pretty soon after they compete. So no one's sticking around to have big parties and they can't leave the village anyway. So um, I think, yeah, so I think that's probably the biggest difference is that, you know, people aren't, there's not the volume of people there and especially the volume of people who have already finished competing and then they're partying and causing havoc. So I think that's probably a, a big difference. Um, as in terms of like uh, meeting up with other people in the village and mingling, um, it's probably the safest place in Japan in terms of COVID. So um, I think there is still quite a bit of, you know, catching up in the food hall and what have you, because everyone's getting tested for COVID every on the, you know, every day. So um, the risk of actually catching it in the village is, is pretty minimal, really. Did, 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 was it hard to keep Hayden focused or was he like major focus going into it? You know, like, cause as much as these guys have seasoned pros, it is a different environment to your triple race are going to turn up to. So did you do things differently in the lead up to the race, not just about race planning and stuff, but just as in how he was going to manage himself in those days leading up to the race? Yeah, we did. Um, we did do a bit of planning and our plans changed um, about a month out. They were supposed to, the triathlon team was supposed to go to a, a camp and, um, in the north of Japan in a place called Sakata, but they we cancelled that trip um, due to restrictions um, in Sakata. So the guys, when they, you know, if they'd gone there, they would have been stuck in a hotel and only been allowed to go, you know, out to train. And that was all very controlled. So it was pretty restrictive. So the the, the rest of the crew that was um, in Australia, they stayed in Australia to train until the last minute. And then Hayden stayed, he went to Girona um, to finish his heat prep um, in Spain. So um, that was a last minute change. And then arriving into the village, um, Hayden got there first and there was a bit of, there was a bit of dramas with uh, trying to find out how he can go swimming and where he can ride and run and stuff. So yeah, it was all those last minute things. And, you know, I think most Olympics are like that where you have all these changes and restrictions and things constantly moving. Um, but this one was even more difficult where, you know, you couldn't actually just leave the village and go and do what you need to do. You had to, everything had to be planned. And was, was he his normal self sort of going into the race? You know, was he absolutely packing himself or was he, you know, pretty calm and confident? He was pretty calm and confident, which is probably different from normal. Um, normally, normally he's a, you know, pretty happy-go-lucky, kind of chaotic sometimes. Um, but, you know, this time he was really particular. We'd gone through um, a lot of the heat preparation stuff and all the things that he needed on race day in terms of like little pouches and headbands and, um, you know, drinks for his slushy, slushies and all that kind of stuff. We'd planned it out. Um, and he was being very um, regimented with that. So to me, that meant he was taking it very seriously and he was, you know, really thinking about all those things, um, you know, really well, which normally he's, you know, he leaves stuff to the last minute and it's a little bit of a shambles and it makes me more nervous than anything else. <laughs> hey, you know, like for, for these athletes, you know, it's it's obviously throughout a year in a triathlon season, these key races are going to aim for. But for the Olympics, it's it's this peak moment that you've got to get right. And it only happens once every four years. As a coach, the lead in into that, how you how do you program for that day? You know, and how far out are you programming and, and what kind of just as a coach, give us an overview of how you kind of set it, maybe six months to a year leading into the race. Cause it is probably the one time where you are 
you've got to get it right on the day exactly, you know, if you know what I mean, with an ITU or wheel triathlon racing. Yeah, so I, I tried to approach it um, similar to how we would for most World Series races. Um, and we kind of talked about it, you know, just being another race. And obviously it's not, but we wanted to keep that mindset in play. And that was it was really just another race. It just had all these, it was just a massive monster of a race. And um, so all the things we did were normal um, in the lead up. Um, we had, you know, I, I worked as training program so that we so that it would kind of fit with how we thought the race would play out. Um, and luckily it actually played out exactly how we, you know, we determined if that bike group had stayed away, um, that front group, then it, you know, would have been a very different um, outcome. So um, that's the way we figured it would happen. And I don't know if you paid attention, but Hayden didn't do the normal amount of uh, work on the bike that he would normally do. Um, he did his part, but didn't certainly didn't drive that, that pack that he was in to get back. Uh, we just had the faith that it would, would come back and, and it did. Mm, no, I listened to an interview with Christian Blumenfeld, um, and I know he did quite a bit of work on the front, but he was his their whole race plan was uh, pretty confident it was going to come together. But how, how do you, how what would have happened um, if that front group had sort of held that gap? You know, do you have sort of a plan A, B, C, and D ready to go? You know, if if they were holding it a minute thirty, you know, does Hayden go, okay, I've, I'm going to have to risk it on the bike? So do you have several plans? Yeah, well, that, that group only, they're only ever kind of 35 seconds or something in front. So, the, you know, he would have been able to run through quite a few guys and probably finish inside, you know, the top 10 or so quite comfortably, I would have thought. But um, that's not what we wanted. You know, we wanted a, a medal or a, the top step of the podium. So we were confident and planning that it would come back together. Um, and, you know, and then he'd be in a running situation, you know, we assumed it would be Yee and Vince and, you um, uh, probably Tyler Mislachuk, who, you know, these guys um, walked away with a very um, different outcome than they than they had planned. But um, for us, it worked out really well. So um, talk us through your your sort of day of, of watching, you know. Firstly, obviously, the, the schmozzles of the, of the start of the swim. Um, <laughs> and and yeah. come, come, maybe talk us through the, the swim first and, and how you were feeling when they exited the water. Yeah, well, Hayden's obviously Hayden's weakness is a swim. So um, that's, you know, if there's any ever a time where I get a bit nervous around the race, it's it's in the swim. Um, and I was, you know, pretty happy to see that he wasn't too far back after the, the first 1K lap. Um, that, that start was a real shambles. Um, and the commentator was making it worse by talking about DQs. And I was like, oh, I know Hayden went in because he was on that side of the. Um, mm of the field so but there were so many of them there's no way that could have happened and the boat was just in the wrong place and um he actually said later that it actually settled him a bit more than um you know than he had done initially on the start line so it was probably not a bad thing for him mm -hmm. um yeah that first lap of the swim he wasn't too far back and that was that was really good to see and he was in a, a group of guys who were good riders which is also um you know a, a good sign so, and then coming out, I think he was 38 seconds back out of the water, um, which for him is actually really good. He was a minute and eight at the test event um, uh, two years ago. So, and still made it back to the front group. So, yeah, we were, I was, at that point, I was pretty confident that it was going to come back together and, you know, he was in a good position. So, yeah, so obviously did come together on the bike and, you know, were you thinking at the end of the bike, right, this is kind of how we wanted it to pan out? And I guess thinking back, um, Hayden raced in Leeds, um, I don't know how many weeks ago, maybe three or four weeks ago, and yep. he, he looked like he was axing the bike over there and he sort of bridged across the front group, but then he, and he looked 
you know, shilling for sort of second place, but then he faded quite badly. So what were you sort of feeling coming off the bike, I guess? Um, and yeah, what were you thinking coming off the bike? Yeah, well, yeah, that Leeds race here, um, he rode really hard. The other, the power data that came out of that was um, was pretty huge. So um, I knew that he'd, he'd spent himself on the bike and even just watching it um, from the sideline, you could see that he was um, riding really hard that day. So um, so coming off the bike in Tokyo, I knew he had um, obviously not ridden as hard because every time they showed that group and showed him he was either sitting you know third or fourth wheel or um when the group actually came back together he was at the back of the group and that, that was making me a little bit nervous because it's not not normal for him to sit so far back um just in terms of accidents and normally he's one of the aggressors so um a little bit nervous at that point but as soon as they got off and started running um you know you could see him in the front of the group and i just look at him going yep he's he's on you know it's it's all on now he's feeling really good so that was um pretty relieving and then it was just a matter of that front group whittling down to um the three when there was a group of about eight or nine um i was waiting for someone and i, I thought it would have been blumenfeld to take the front and just um break away all those guys who were kind of just hanging on um and just leave it to the contenders when, when it got to three what were you thinking um I was pretty excited <laughs> you know it was a, at, at that point it was like shit he's actually going to get the middle here this is awesome yeah. um and then it was like you know how's how's he gonna how's he gonna handle trying to get away from these two is he is he feeling good enough to to make a move and to better break these two guys who are both really really good athletes you know uh, Yi is is probably on par in terms of his running um with hayden and blumenfeld like god knows where he finds his strength um but you know he's a tough bastard and um you know that last 1500 meters that he laid down was unbelievable um to watch yeah just knowing that, that the sessions that Hayden had been doing in the lead up and knowing that someone could do that to him at the end of a race was pretty surprising to be honest um it was it was a huge move um we had a bit of a discussion on the show last week I mean a lot of people are saying it looked like Blumenfeld wanted it more he always kind of looks like that do you do you, I don't know, what, what are your sort of thoughts on that in terms of the, like the, the types of Blumenfeld, Sanders who kind of wear it on their face and they seem to be able to take it to that next level. And I'm sure you've raced against guys that, you know, you're at your limit and you think you're at your limit and then these guys just seem to be able to go to the next level. So do you think he wanted it more or what, what are your thoughts around that? Well, I don't know. I think everyone in the field wants it. Um, I don't know if he, I don't know if he wanted it more, but it was just he had he had the um, the audacity to to try and got away and um, just got the gap probably, and the others um, to a degree maybe maybe gave up once the gap was established. Um, I think if they if they all stayed together to the line, it might have been a very different outcome. But um, you know, it's it's a it's an interesting uh, phenomenon when someone makes a move like that to the psychology of the people they're running with. So if you can get half a step or you know a couple of meters on someone, then, you know, it, it stretches the, the rubber band, so to speak, and um, the psychology of the person, you know, chasing changes. So um, that could have been think, just enough. Do you think in some ways, because the Olympics, you get praised for about three medals, that does give you a bit of permission if that stretch happens? You know, like if it was just winner takes all, you know, but, we, you know, when he gets breaks away and it's a couple of meters, and, oh, I'm going to get silver, you know, like, do, do you think that happens a little bit? There probably is an element of that. Yep. Um, 
and especially when the gap starts to grow and and then you kind of resign to the fact um i was looking at the lap splits for the for the guys and blumenfeld probably only ran maybe five seconds faster on that lap than he had on the other laps um okay but hayden was probably 20 seconds slower um but it was probably all on that last was probably all on that last yeah 500 meters where he he was in that space probably is like i'm I'm third i'm gonna get a medal i'll just you know back off the intensity here and not destroy myself and um it's not going to change the outcome so yeah, it's probably think, as a element um, to that. Do you think Blumenfeld can win Kona? He's he's talking that he's going to try and go and do that. Do you think he's got, especially given his schedule? Do you think he's got much of a chance? No, none of our audience seem to give him a chance at this stage. Oh, I don't know. I wouldn't put any past past anything that you know uh, put anything past that guy. He's a he's a beast, and um, yeah, yeah I, I really don't know. He's got a, it's a tall order. Like, yeah. some, you know, getting past Jan's going to be uh, no mean feat, but um, yeah. It'll be interesting to watch, that's for sure. He'll, he'll destroy himself trying. Yeah, I, I don't know much of the, the athletes you've trained in the past. Is this your first, first Olympic medal? Uh, yeah, it's the first time I've had anyone at the Olympics and to mm. pull a medal out is, is pretty awesome. So, yeah, so what does it mean for um, you? Because, you know, like, it's, you know, we get to see the athlete cross the line, but there's, there's so many people who have supported and got that person to that point. What was it like for you, just as, on a personal level, as a coach? Yeah, it was pretty satisfying. Like, you know, when I started coaching, um, you know, one of my goals was to take um, an athlete from a kind of development junior kind of level into into the Olympics. Um, and, you know, I've done that with two athletes for this Olympics. So it's, it's pretty satisfying. And then for one of them to walk away with a medal, um, yeah. yeah, just the dream come true. It, it was amazing. Um, you know, it, it, I don't know, it's just, re- super, it's just really, really rewarding to know that what you've put into them is, um, has worked. Um, What's been the key to success? You know, Hayden is obviously a pretty talented kid and he came with a pretty good pedigree of running. Um, but, you know, like there's many aspects to it. What do you think has been the key to his success as a coach? He's, well, he's 100% um, focused on what he what he wants to get out of the sport. Um, and he's, you know, he does everything he can to be as good as he can. And that, you know, every facet of his life really is dedicated to, to performance and to being the best he can be um, on the start line. So there's that. There's also, and I've, and I've talked about this a lot, but he's, you know, he and Sam, uh, who's running in the 1500 today, um, they, they have no fear around their racing. So they, they don't stand on the start line, you know, looking around fearing Blumenfeld or Vincent Louis or, you know, Mario Mola, anyone else. They just, they just want to win and they just want to compete and they're not really, they're not scared to have a crack and, and fail. Um, and that's something I think that is very difficult to, to coach into somebody. It's a mentality that they kind of, they, they bring to life and um, you know, it makes a massive difference when you have someone who has that mindset um, and then has dedicated themselves to a sport. What's the because sometimes with a person is so good, there's things you have to control in them. What's the thing that you have to kind of be a bit careful of, Hayden, where you maybe have to keep a rein in on them? Um, probably just a volume. Like he's an absolute animal when it comes to the amount of training he does. And if you know we didn't keep some reins on, um, he would you know go to the well every day. Um, so we need to we need to keep a handle on that. That's probably the biggest thing. Uh, but he's really sensible. Like you know we we talk about um, all sorts of you know, trainings and, you know, should we change this? Should we do that? Um, should we increase this? Should we decrease that? You know, and he's, he's also someone who doesn't like to have a rest day. So I have to disguise um, his recovery days, um, you know, with easy, easy jogs and, you know, 
easy rides and stuff. And even that sometimes turns into, you know, an easy half an hour jog and, you know, I'd anticipate him running kind of four forties or something like that. And, you know, he, he puts, puts it up on training peaks and it's a, you know, 410 or 405s. And but for him, that feels comfortable and he feels like he's jogged and he's recovered. So um, that's, you know, if that's what it takes and that's, that's fine. Um, so in normal circumstances, you know, any other Olympics, you would have been on the, the sidelines in Japan and, you know, in either an official or unofficial capacity. What's, what's the challenge been this time around? You know, I, I know that they're massively restricting who's over there. So was that just the deal for you? You didn't, you couldn't get accreditation or what, what was the story of not being there? Yeah. So um, with triathlon, they triathlon New Zealand selected um, a couple of coaches to go over um, and they, you know, they were the program coaches who um, have roles within TriNZ uh, in an official capacity. So they sent them. Um, it was pretty hard to, to not be there. I was, certainly would have loved to have been there to just to assist in, you know, the day to day and the lead up. Um, and then also be there to celebrate with them afterwards. Um, you know, it was pretty hard watching that interview. Um, we broke oh, yeah. down and um, and then not not being there. And I'm, I'm so grateful to Taylor for coming along, you know, giving him a hug and just being there for him. Because yeah. um, really he didn't he didn't have anyone in Tokyo just for him, um, which made it really difficult, um, you know, just on a, on a, on a support basis and an emotional standpoint, especially post-race. Um, and when he, he needed a hug, you know, that would have been, um, you know, a moment to be there and to embrace him and just to celebrate what he had achieved. He's come into the sport and he's, a, he's achieved something that not many in the sport have done at the Olympic medal. He's, and he's still young. He's got a massive future in front of him. The thing is, we're only three years to the next Olympics. So, you know, he, his potential is huge looking forward, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's massive. Yep. Um, you know, in three years, he'll just get better and better. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this medal... I, I think is just going to ignite the fire in him that is going to make him, you know, work even harder to the, to get the gold next time. And, you know, he and Alex, he, I think are going to have some enormous battles over the next few years. So um, it's going to be pretty exciting to, um, to watch. Um, you, you'll know the answer better than this. I was trying to look at the, the times from the last few Olympics and sort of comparing, um, you know, more Alex and Christian and, and Hayden in terms of the Brownleys when they were at their peak Um do you think you, these guys are running quicker or is it, um, yeah, they're very different races, but on paper, they, they seem a bit quicker over a pure 10,000, not by much over Alistair Brownlee, but do you, do you get the sense they are actually running a bit quicker? Yeah, they, um, Alex and Hayden are definitely better runners than, um, than Alistair was. He, he probably was a different dynamic in the racing and he, like he rode really hard on the front always. Um, yeah. And then he get off and, you know, and he, he did the damage to everyone on the, on the bike. Um, and, you know, I talked about before the race dynamic, if that front group had stayed away and that would have been down to someone like Alistair, if he'd been in that front group, you know, driving the pace, it might've been a very different race. So, um, you know, that, that aggression on the bike certainly takes its toll uh, at the back end of a triathlon, as we all know, but um yeah, I, I think that I think their run times were faster than previous um, Olympics, but um, yeah, I don't think you can read too much into it at this, you know, um, during during the racing because it's such a different dynamic and that, that front group and the way that it's ridden. Um, yeah. So, what's Hayden's plan for the rest of the season? I'm, I'm assuming we're not going to see him back in New Zealand anytime soon. Um, he had trouble in the airport. I hear in the news last night. You said that. I oh, know. So, <laughs> he, he got kicked out of America, didn't he? 
Well, yeah, they 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 left Tokyo and they were going to Boston to um, to a training camp and they flew via Amsterdam um, and landed in Boston and the US border control people got the wrong end of the stick and thought they'd come from Amsterdam and they didn't have the correct visas to come from Amsterdam. So they um, put them back on a plane and sent them back to Amsterdam. So um <laughs> Yeah, so they you know, the whole the whole Try and Z team were to, were turned around and sent back um, to Europe. So they they're actually in Amsterdam now and um, waiting for their luggage to show up, which didn't get on the plane that they went, oh, they geez. got on. <laughs> yeah, oh, so no. it's a bit of a shamble. But he's um he'll go. His partner lives in Belgium, so once that's sorted, he'll just go and stay there for a few days, um, and then go to um, the Montreal World Series, and then a week later is Edmonton. So he'll do those two races. And then through September, he's doing the Super League, which is a uh, four weekends in a row of um, that crazy fast racing. So that should be pretty exciting to watch. It's always a, you know, a cool event. Um, awesome. On, and what about yourself in terms of your, uh, your racing these days? You got anything planned for summer? Uh, no, nothing actually. No, I just, I'm just ticking along. Um, just trying to you know, stay fit and make sure I don't get too fat. Um, that's all I'm, <laughs> all I'm doing these Life days. changes. Yeah. yeah. I keep, I keep thinking I should enter a race and, um, you know, make some commitment to it, but, um, stuff just gets in the way. So I haven't done anything yet. Long term, do you want to be training, like, is having two Olympic athletes a good amount for you? You know, because I imagine these athletes are the next level of commitment for you. Is there a level of elite athletes that you want to train? Uh, not really. Like I still have, um, quite a reasonable size, um, coaching business that, yeah. you know, um, that operates outside of those, those two individuals, um, and including like, I've got a pretty large junior squad. Um, and really that's, I really enjoy kind of coaching them and being part of their, you know, journey to success. And it's so cool that they, um, get to see Hayden and Sam, you know, train, you know, sometimes they come along and do sessions at the same time the oh, juniors awesome. do. Um, so they get to be part of it and, you know, they know both of them and that's, that's so awesome for them that they get that experience. Um, you know, they can look at them and go, well, if, if Hayden can do it, I know how goofy he is, you know, then, um, you know, why can't we? So it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, well, good. All the best for, for today. And uh, hopefully the next couple of days with the, maybe the semis and, and the 1500 meters with Sam Tanner. Um, awesome. Great. Love your work. Thanks for, Help and bring home a medal for yeah, New Zealand. Great star. And we'll, we'll yeah, see thanks you very much for having me on. Awesome. Yeah, you're cool. Jumbo, your thoughts? It's all good. Craig's done a fantastic job there, getting a nice stable of athletes. Um, he, he coaches a lot of um, runners and sort of half marathoners and track runners and triathletes, so nice and versatile, and he's doing a great job. Good on him. Oh, how cool is that? It's great. You um, know, for a coach, you know, like getting, you know, getting a, someone to the Olympics is a massive achievement. Yeah. Getting a medal, how cool is that? Um, and I remember there's a guy in Christchurch called Brett Tingay who's yep, a yep. good good runner, and uh, he came as a triathlon for a while and did pretty did pretty well. And I remember coming back from Hawaii, he came over and did the seventy point three there a couple of times. And one time it must have been five years yeah, ago or been, so. Yeah. And and I just came up in conversation. He said, "Oh, you watch out for this guy Hayden Wild. He's just going to absolutely kill it in really, triathlon." Really? And he'd done. I think he'd done a bit of Xterra and a few other bits and pieces, and he said, oh, this guy's going to kill it. He's just an absolute beast. Really? So it's good to see that, um, that you know, that he's turned that engine into to actually It's cool it for, like, for, I know this is an international audience, but for us Kiwis, it's so cool because it's been, we had Andrew Hewitt, and she was a great athlete. Mm. Um, but outside of her, we haven't really had an elite male athlete in a long no. time, have we? No. You know, once kind of Bevan disappeared, mm-hmm. we haven't really had anyone who's been podium worthy 
and now we've got a bit of a are there any young females coming up uh, they're, they're good, but they're more sort of 10 through 20 good yeah. rather than top 10. And, and there's and none that you see coming up in a few years ago, maybe? Not really like a, a medal winner. Okay. You know? yeah, so. So, when you go 5 through 25, every country's got quite a few athletes. Um, but to get that top 5 requires something special. So Australia would be the most disappointed country in their triathlon Olympics, eh? Yes. Of, of, of countries who yeah, they be competitive. Got, they got nothing. And they weren't even in it. No, not even close. Yeah. What's happened to it? Why? Because uh, Australia's... Oh, they've had a bit of bad luck as well. Um, but they're such a, they've been a dominator in the sport for a long mm-hmm. time. But they've, again, they've got a lot of good athletes that are probably 5 through 25. And they're ones that are possible sort of your top tenors just didn't perform. Things didn't go their way. Sound like um, Jake Burkwistle got a... you know smashed in the swim and he hasn't been on form either um, and their females kind of needed the race to pan out slightly differently okay well, there you go let's go winger of the week okay I'm going to go 66 because I haven't done a 6 in a while yeah, and I've actually pulled it up myself it's Mark Funky Brook Funkster Brooks mm-hmm. I think we have that name do we quite possibly quite possibly uh, he hasn't got a lot in here let's have a look at his training no he's a consistent trainer what are you looking at are you looking at this week or last week or am last I looking week. at the wrong week I think I clicked on the right thing no you're not Oh, well, oh you, do, you do him and I'll do someone else. He's you from uh, London. Lives in Greater London. Oh, uh, he's 65 on mine. Oh, he's 66 on mine. Can't be okay. I got it wrong. Go for it because number 66, I've got Chris, Christopher Morales and all he's done is biked all week. So go for the triathlete. Go for Mark Funksterbrooks. Well, Max doesn't actually mean details. Oh, come on, mate. Yeah, he's just, he's, no, it's not much on here. It's in London, the borough of Havering. Yep, that's about and it. And in the last. Uh, average rides last four, four weeks, averaging four rides per week. Average distance uh, per week, 236 k's. And see what his running's looking like. Averaging five runs a week. So he's been nice and consistent, as you would expect in the middle of summer. And averaging three swims a week. Mark is the all-round triathlete. Well, Mark Good and week. I are very consistent based on estimated efforts mm-hmm. in our running. Although mine doesn't have my marathon time, but his marathon does need to sharpen up. You know, Mark, because you've got... a and at 18k, 18 minute 5k, pretty solid. 36, 10k, pretty solid. 118, that's probably what you're going to get, pretty solid. 317 marathon. It's all estimated. It's not what people no, have done. Sharp, sharpen up. <laughs> We're at one area where Mark does need to sharpen up, though. <laughs> We're just picking on Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Winger of the week's John and Bevan picking on no, you. Good long, longest ride, 226.3k's. Oh, that's, that's a solid ride. Biggest climb, only 313 metres. Mark, you, need to, you live in London, you need to get over to Europe and go ride a mountain. Go see the guys at Pyrenees Multi Sport. That is out of it. That's pretty. That's not even. That's Paul Hills. But yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but you might just live in. A, if, if you're in London, no, there's no hills bigger than that around there. So Mark, head over to Pyrenees Multi Sport once you can get into France and get out uh, without any sort of quarantines and go right up the colder bloody Tourmalet, which is one of the biggest mountains you get. Okay, Mark, we love you. We're yep. just giving you some love. Just give, bit of banter. Yeah, you know? good, a good mateley banter. Yep. Okay, so Mark, you are our winner. winner. Of the week. week. Okay, John, let's go questions and answers. Okay, so it's just one here. You've got a Ross give a little, give a lot little. This is his name, isn't it? Yep. Now, what, actually, let's go back to um, Mark Patrick. Frank's books, you put the foot on the camera. Yeah. Mark, yeah, let's kick him down while he's down. No, Patrick, what was the story of the nickname? I will do that when we do patrons. Oh, okay. Um, so then. There's, there's a race in Scotland. So, it's so a, it's all a, you big A luxury hitters, race. 
Yeah, for you guys that want to do a bit of an ultra, but you want to posh it up. And you want to spend a lot of money. How much was it? I think it was 15,499 pounds. Luxury race would be the most expensive race on earth. Would it? 15,000? There's a marathon in, in the marathon. But they list them they list them all down here. Now, this this one takes the top. This is you know, for four days of camping, uh, 120 miles on the west coast of Scotland, 15,499 I don't really know the conversion to US dollars, but I'm guessing it's about 20,000, 25,000 US dollars. Um, in contrast, there's a 95 mile race up there, which you can go and do for 120 pounds. Uh, so it sounds like you're going to get race like a warrior, but recover like a king. Uh, Doesn't the Antarctic America of Thailand cost you 40,000? Um, no, they've got this here. It is 18,900 US. Is it the Antarctic America? Antarctic Ice 100 kilometer race. don't know if that's a marathon or not. Um, but that's that's up there. But this this one is up in Scotland. It's right up there. So if you want to go and do something really expensive, get a luxury, Scotland would be a great place to go and do one of these. But isn't going out there and roughing it sort of part of the experience when you do this stuff? Well, Not crazy roughing horses it. Horses for courses. Horses for courses. You know, if someone if you've got the money, you want to drop fifteen k in a race, and they're going to give you a cool experience. And you like like I wouldn't do it. No, but I wouldn't buy first class either. No, <laughs> you know, even if I had the money, I still wouldn't probably do first class. But um, so the, the 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 big races where the world's most expensive races are. Um, if you want to go and do one that costs more than this, is the World Marathon Challenge, which involves seven marathons and seven continents. Okay, that's so that's different because different yeah. you're flying all over the place and includes accommodation, business flights between each country. That'll cost you, and it's, and it's a year, isn't it? You know, yes. you know or, or do they just go on the courses and do well, them all? There's somewhere you go and do the seven and seven days sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, okay, might be But that. I don't think that this, this that one's thirty four thousand pounds, uh, forty two thousand euros. Um, the eleven day trip in Antarctica, and that's eleven day trip. That doesn't count. That's not a really a marathon. Uh, the marathon day Saab, that's quite expensive. Uh, two thousand seven hundred ninety six. Uh, Pounds, and that's when you go across the Sahara Desert. Desert, very, very famous race. Uh, it is seven days, though. And the Atacama Crossing, which is seven days covering 150 miles, costs 3,800. So the seven days, the World Marathon Challenge is seven days, seven continents, seven marathons. It is, yeah. yeah so, and you, you travel first class, do you? That's where I probably would do first class. Business class. Because you'd need it, wouldn't you? Because mm. if you. Problem with stuff like that is like, what if you miss a flight or a flight gets delayed? Mm. But uh, obviously, I'll be curious to see how many people actually do it. Mm. Yeah, so anyway. Uh, so there you go. If you want to spend a lot of money on a race, you've got some options here. Uh, Jumbo Swim Set of the Week. Yep, this was my swim we did on Friday last week, not this morning. Uh, 6100s free to, no, 6100s warm up, one freestyle, one individual medley, one kick drill, so 25 of each. Then we did an 800, where you're doing 25 metres fly, 75 metres uh, freestyle, just repeating that through. If you can't do butterfly, you do head up freestyle, sort of water polo style, and that will get a similar sort of result. And then uh, the main set was 12 100s, um, and for the my lane we were doing 2 on 135, 2 on 130, 2 on 125, and the aim there is you're trying to get sort of five to eight seconds rest for each one so you're going quicker um, for each one and keep it getting the same amount of rest uh, and did that twice through and that ended up being quite hard because I had to lead because our normal leader was not there. Yeah. Uh, 100 easy and then four times 100 bands only so if you haven't got a band and you're a medium to advanced swimmer get one tie it around your ankles and a uh, really great way to work on your catch because otherwise you really start to struggle and then warm down that was probably about three k's. 
Good times. Okay, let's go into our patrons. We've got a few patrons. Jombo, you can go first. Robert, Dr. Doogood, Turnbull. We've got Roger the Chop Cannon. And William Spectre Moore. Okay, so Patrick Walkington sent us through about his nickname. He said, you, you guys need to sort yourselves out with my patron nickname. Literally. Initially, you gave me the dom- nominator, dominator. And then a few weeks later, the divided one. Because I'm from Manchester, UK, and there are two football teams, which is a great one, actually. I thought that was a great one. Uh, not only that, I was so chuffed when Scott Molina, legend, when I mean, legend Scott Molina read out my name. So when Scott, when John was away, and we did it, only to get it wrong. <laughs> Scott read out Washington. My surname is Walkington. So wait until I get my hands on Mr. Molina. Yes. So anyway, Patrick. We'll just keep two nicknames and just roll one off. Yep. I dare say it was me not pressing save on my uh, my yep. spreadsheet and then went that. back and thought, oh, there's a blank one there. Better do that. Uh, so Patrick Walken, he also sent through those age groupers uh, this week. So thanks for that. He is the nominator, uh, n- nominator, dominator, dominator and the divided one. And uh, obviously nominator, dominator was probably about an age groupers. Mm. And so it was, today's was applicable. That's right. Um, did you see the article of Scott and Aaron on stuff? I got uh, pointed to it by Belinda. So Melina has he's bought a little patch of land in this place called Aoroa. Pretty good patch of land. Which is in the middle of the Abel Tasman walkway, which we often talk about. And he had a, little, a tiny home built, and they took it in on a boat yeah. uh, in there. So th- this place is no... No uh, there is a little bit of road access into Aoroa, but depending on where their plot of land is, um, there may not be any road access to that. Um, but getting builders and stuff to build up there would be nigh on impossible. Yeah. Uh, and so they got a little tiny home built, got it taken in on a boat, and then sort of got it dragged across to their site, which was kind of cool. When's the party? I know, but he, he said to me, whenever you want to go up, you go up. And no. I said, like, okay. Good stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll do an IM talk show there. Uh, Jombo's, uh, let's say thank you to our patrons. If you want to become a patron, you go to www.imtalk.me. On the front page, you can also sign up to get the show emailed to you. For coaching, go to coach.newson.com. For my podcast, bevanjamesisles.com. Other content such as age group, cool websites and other stuff, I'm podcast at gmail.com. John, you guys. Just mentioning patrons again. We've got some, some, a new sponsor with some prizes to announce next week. Ooh. So you've, firstly, we've got Profile Design doing all their aero bars and wheels and awesome stuff. And then uh, next week, we've got another one. And there's quite a few prizes and you'll like them. Nice. So get on, support the boys and become a patron and be in to win. Be in to win. Okay, John, you guys. Um, well... Yeah, I think I'm going to be a bit over the Olympics by the end of this week because it has been a lot of viewing. Not 100% engaged viewing, just having it sort of rolling along. Yep. But I, I don't know what it is, and we, we mentioned this with Craig Kirkwood, I do seem a lot more engaged with this Olympics for whatever reason. As I said earlier, I think it's a time zone. Our time zone is fantastic. If you want to watch the evening sessions for anything, you're a bit screwed. But so many of the sports are during the day. Where it's sort of for us... With the exception of the triathlon, it kind of starts about midday and then sort of rolls through. And if you know, if you by ten o'clock, a lot of the stuff's done, yep. as I said, except for the evening sessions. So that's really, really cool. Seem to be really enjoying it. And the other thing I'd comment on the Olympics, and this may be a Kiwi thing, I'm not sure. A lot more emotion this time around. I think like just about every medal winner is breaking down in tears and seems to be incredibly emotional. And I don't recall that happening at prior Olympics, whether it's a COVID thing, um, whether they just haven't got crowds there, changing times, I'm not sure, but there has been a lot of emotion. I just think we're in a really interesting moment with sport because even just looking like Simone Byers, um, it's just really interesting just the, the, the profile of an athlete's changing. Mm. You know what I mean? And... um, 
and we yeah it's it's you well, know, we had Lauren Hubbard who's a weightlifter from New Zealand who's a transgender yep. athlete competing yesterday now she bombed out which was horrific for her yeah but it's kind of cool that the statements that she's been just getting there was has just made such a ruckus of um, opinions and so on and yeah. it's got the debate out there which I think you know whatever your whatever your feelings are towards that it's been a great platform to actually get that debate out there and she's probably borne the brunt of some horrific abuse oh, um, and those losers just need to go and get a grip yeah. um, whether or not you agree with them or not there's no point taking it out on her uh, so I think that's kind of cool and um, yeah I just think uh, I'm still whether or not this Olympics has been a good idea I still kind of think mm, probably not but, yeah, but, the, but, but the watching but then again you the listen to Craig in the awesome. interview like I agree you kind of think why would you get it going but as you're saying it's, it seems like it's been really well managed it's like the safest place to be in Japan right now is in the Olympics uh, Japan's in a pretty bad place if it's COVID but it's, I don't think the Olympics has made it any worse well that's who knows um, I, I, it seems like it hasn't the downside is no spectators. Yeah, to- I totally get it. Like the cost of the country, side. cost mm. of the country is huge. But mm. for the world right now, has it been a good thing? And this is another area which I'm, everybody in my world is loving it and watching yep. it twenty four seven. But if we go down the street to Joe Blogs, how engaged are they? And I don't know because pretty much everybody I associate with, they're not all triathletes, but they're all into sport yeah. in some way. Like my parents are into it and things yeah. like that. But over the other side of town, on the other side of the fence. I'm sure a lot are engaged, but I'd love to know the percentage of people that are actually engaged. Well, the question I'm interested in is, because we've had this COVID period, and like Joe was saying with the, the uneven bars last night with the, with these athletes kind of bombing out, and even the girl who won it wasn't a perfect performance. Um, they're just saying that they just haven't competed. And that, you know, a lot of mm. the athletes are ultimately just rusty. And I wonder if we look at sports where you can look at performance, um, you know, you know, just basic performance and not maybe skill based or something like that. Has this been a lesser level Olympics in uh, performances? It's been quite a few world records in the pool. There was quite a few world records. Uh, was there in the pool? Yeah, in the cycling last night, uh, in the track, there was. Uh, Did we do it uh, right in the cycling last night? Yeah, we. Yeah, it was. There was a horrific crash. If, if those of you, do, if you want to go and see something horrific, just search. I'm sure there'll be lots of clips of it. The 4,000 meters Australian pursuit team. Really? Just go have a look at that. Pretty horrible, was it? go and have a look at it to start with but spoiler the guy's running along and his whole front end of his bike his aero bars and handlebars just snapped oh no because those guys when they take off they are just Power. about to I mean if that happened at the start you go oh, I get that but he'd started and then he was like fourth wheel he'd come down and they just completely snapped in pieces and just went flat on his face oh. And I was thinking, thank God. I mean, it's horrific. Thank God you're okay? fourth wheel. Oh, it was like, luckily they got they called it off and they got to actually ride again. Okay. And then they bombed out. It was the Aussies, and they probably would have actually knocked us out of a. Uh, oh, was this against position. us? Uh, it wasn't against us. But it we ended us. up finishing third. So we, we would, in hindsight, we would have been okay. But it would have. Been, Did we medal? Uh, we're third into the next round. Okay. Okay. So, tell you what, if you're in a country that doesn't watch track cycling, get into it. Mm. It's. I don't understand why it's not a bigger sport. Because it's great spectating. There's no money in it um, and all the good... But why not? Because it'd be a great TV sport. In Japan, it is. Because you can package it really well. Mm. You Mm. know, like it's... it's, No, it is. You know, like you you think of of like Super League kind of around Mm. track cycling. You could do a great one-hour show. You could have some Mm. really interesting dynamics. And they do, but it's just all about Tour de France. Yeah, it's all the good riders. Not all. Most of the good riders go off and do road. Yeah. Because that's where you can make money. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, any other goss? No. 
there's not much else. Uh, there's probably a war happening somewhere in the world that none of us know about, and uh, <laughs> all sorts of political decisions are going to affect our lives massively over the next ten or twenty years. Who would know? Because I have not watched the news for God knows how long. I have watched the news. I went to a, I went to a nineties party on the weekend, John. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now one thing I've realised is we're getting older. Hell yeah! <laughs> because we go to this nineties party, mm-hmm. and it was a friend of ours that turning thirty. Mm-hmm. So the crowd was a little bit younger than us. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of oldies like us. But, you know, like, you know, we, we were definitely of the older type. And so Joe and I got dressed up. It was a dress-up party. Joe got Joe John's drink. He's giving me the thumbs up. Yep, that's uh, She went as... Patsy. Pat, oh, you see the photo, did you? Uh, no, Gail Harvey Hayward told me. And she looked great. Mm-hmm. She looked... I'll, I'll show you the photo. She looked bloody great. And I went as... Who did I go as? Andre Agassi. Andre Agassi. Yeah. Yep. And... You know, like I'll show John the photo just to hear while we're kind of talking. So Bevan's, uh, what am I on to here? That one here. So. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. If you think 90s. Yeah. We did a pretty good job, didn't we? Nice. Who are the other people you just showed oh, me? Oh, <laughs> no. It's just me. This is a great podcast. Yeah. Nice. Joe did a really Joe's good got a bottle of wine. He's got a cigarette out of his mouth. Got yep. glasses. Yeah. Yep. You've got a tennis racket. Yep. Bright clothes. Yep. Pretty obvious. Turned out to the party. No one knew we were. Oh, of course. Because <laughs> they're young. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, oh, oh, who do you think we are? Oh, it's a tennis player. <laughs> <laughs> but what tennis player? Oh, uh-huh. what, what is it? McEnroe? <laughs> like, Come on, kids. <laughs> so so they all dressed up, but Wayne's World was popular. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's still popular. Yeah, Wayne's World, party on, Wayne. Party on, Wayne. Uh-huh. But yeah, so that was, that was my weekend. Other that, the Olympics. Loving the Olympics. Great. A few days to go. Got a few medals coming our way today. Yeah, we might win. How many, how many goals do you reckon? Okay, let's make our predictions. How many goals? We've got four currently. Four. Currently 12th country in the world. Five. How many six. can Carrington win? Sorry? How many can Carrington win? Two, probably. She'll get two. Two. Potentially. Potentially three. Uh, but I'd say it's two, so that's, that's six. Sailors? Sailors, seven. Walsh? No, nah, he, nah, he's, he's not getting gold. That guy's going to just monster him. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, he broke a world record. This is in the shot put. This guy, then this was a drug-assisted world record from donkeys oh, really? years and ago. And this guy broke it. He's going to smoke them. Oh wow! So what am I up to? I think I'm up to. Um, We've got nine. Seven, seven, eight. Yeah, I'd say eight. We'll get quite a few more silvers and bronze though. If we get eight, that's actually really good. Mm-hmm. That's our best Olympics. And in, in LA, we got eight. I was looking through the medal list because I was thinking we're doing reasonably well. Australia seemed to be doing well, other than the triathlon. They got lots in the and. Great Britain are just smoking it. Japan are doing really well. I'm thinking some countries have got to be doing shit here. And I was looking down. Some European countries oh, are beautiful. Like Spain's got one gold medal, Jeez. something like that. Even the Americans aren't doing as well as it on golds. Well, that, they did a lot in the pool with that bloody Dressel when he just about won five gold medals. Why was he so good? He was like bloody the Incredible Hulk. Oh, was he? Yeah, he was like a beast <laughs> in his starts. He'd get off. He'd dive in and he'd have half body length just about every race he did. Why? Why is he so good at that? John Hancock, the Mountain Snail Hancock about that. He was posting every five seconds <laughs> about how much he was in love with all the swimmers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, swim porn. Yeah. Um, who's been your most impressive athlete from any country? Oh, probably the dressel was right up there in the swimming. And then the athletics. That, uh, that girl on the running. 5,000 5, metres, yeah. 1,500. Because she won the gold, didn't she? She did win the in gold the 10, in the 5,000 and she fell over in the 1,500 metres heaps. Were you watching that? Yeah, yeah. So there's a, a Dutch athlete. So she's going, know. what, 5,000, 1,500, 10,000? That's insane. Did she win the gold in what? The 5,000, was it? 5,000 last night. She had 1,500 probably, I guess, semis probably tomorrow and then the 10,000 I think is a little bit later. So That is insane, isn't it? That's never been done before, is it? Well, you get the five and the 10. Yeah. 
but the 15 in there as well that's what makes it mental that is awesome mm. awesome okay let's wrap it up I'm Russ I'm Endo train hard train smart Kia Kia